Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now save fifty percent on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power twenty twenty three award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber dot com. I got it. Mm. Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Uh, back in the rugby dungeon once again, a very cool... It's nice, isn't it? Oh, it's really, it's refreshing how cool the rugby dungeon is. Uh, how are you doing, JB? I'm very well, thank you, Tim. Very well. Uh, this must be your, your your regular spot these last few days. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Pretty much, pretty Lovely. much. On the squeaky chair over there is Phil. Yeah, hello, Tim. Sorry, I'm really squeaking <laughs> at the moment. I need some WD-40 on this. Yes. Uh, do you know WD-40 is a secret formula? Secret formula? It is. Like, um, like the KFC herbs and spices? Yeah, and the reason I know this is because DW40 moved... WD40. WD40. Yeah. Uh, moved home. I think it is in Kansas, moved offices. And the CEO had to, in a very American way handcuff the recipe to WD-40 to his wrist and transfer it between offices. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What, what does WD stand for in WD-40? And what does the, what's the 40 stamp mean? It's a secret, Tim. Well? Did you not hear the whole story? Is it 40 ingredients? <laughs> <laughs> it's 40 herbs and spices. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I'm just looking up that it, um, it stands for water displacement. Ah, because okay. I'd heard in the past that it's not actually a lubricant. I've it's, heard that it's an ab- is it a, um, an ab- abrasive? Abri- I'm getting. The, I'm trying to th- abrasive. Um, abrasive. Yeah, I, I, I've um, heard that it doesn't lubricate. As it well does something itself. else. Yes, I've heard this. Yeah, unclear from a very brief Google. Un- unclear. Un- if, yeah, Google search. If you know that could be one of the the other things that you contact us about, we we had we've had a long running <laughs> saga of emails on the subject of big cats over the last month. Maybe it can be lubricants and abrasives for the next month. Perfect. Uh, if you, any other any other emails, whether it's a, a preseason review for your team or whether it's any reaction to any rugby story or anything else, contact headchasers at gmail dot com. Thank you very much for listening. This is the only rugby podcast that's there 52 weeks a year. We have been for nearly 10 years, and uh, we will make sure you get a fix of rugby every single Monday morning. And if, if you appreciate that, you can hit subscribe, you can leave a five-star review, and for more content, you can go to patreon.com forward slash eggchasers. Uh, on this episode, we've got, well, a bit, a bit of rugby championship to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's, let's rattle through the, the rugby news of the week. What's, what's been going on? There's been a few signings this week. The have Leicester Tigers have signed an English qualified... Uh, Australian? Was there two English qualified Australians? I believe there was. One was one a wing and one a hooker, I think. Yeah, so they signed two hookers, which Leicester already have some depth at hooker. They do, yeah. Um, and um, they also signed another hooker, non-English qualified, who has played in England previously, in Joe Tau... D- Tau Fanua. Uh, Tau Tefe. Tau uh, 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 Tal Fatete. Yes, the American. The American yes, hooker. Who is yeah. the highest scoring international hooker ever. Is that right? Yes. That's a great fact. Um, I, need, I need to get that fact button back. Yeah, we do. <laughs> fact. He's a uh, phenomenal finisher from close to the line because he's a big, strong boy. He's got low centre of gravity and he just bulldozes over from a couple of yards out. So. Yeah, did he play at Bordeaux? On two, I think I should have it in well, front of me. Who am I thinking? No, I'm, thinking about Dwe- I'm thinking about Dweeba. Yes. Dweeba is 
Is he, yeah, he is Bordeaux, isn't he? Yeah, and Joseph uh, Dweber. He was playing Dweber. the weekend, Dweber, Dweber. Yeah. Potato, potato. Yes. Uh, so He's he, also a big strong boy. He is a very big strong boy. Uh, with a low centre of gravity. Yes. <laughs> and he only lasted 30 minutes of the game, though. We'll get on to that. We'll get on to that. Yes. We'll get on to that in a minute. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you mentioned some signings. Um, do, do some of them fit in with the Premiership teams that we're going to be looking at over the next... Well, Jason Woodward signed for a yeah. sale. Jason Woodward signed for sale. Shark. So that's, Gloucester. A, that's a decent one. And there's um, a former sale man who has been... A former Sedgley Park man as well who has been playing in Jersey who's just signed for Saracens. Who's that? In James, James Flynn. James Flynn. Who looks like... Um, oh, wow, yeah. He looks like the... James Flynn signed for Saracens. Yes. That is quite remarkable. And also, so we've mentioned on the podcast many a time... Phil's former teammate uh, Nick Flynn, Flynnie uh, of the two, the two played together. I think briefly at Se- yeah, uh, essentially, and, and they look quite similar. And I, it was only when so um, Mark is Nick Flynn's brother. He yeah. was at Broughton Park, and he sort of looks after the bar quite a lot. And so I was chatting to him at the club uh, a couple of months back, uh, and I said, um, "How how's, how's, your, "How's your bro getting on?" Um, uh, <laughs> and he thought I was talking about Nick I went no 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 James he went no 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 James isn't my brother <laughs> he's like what I just assumed he you came through assume. he came through the Sale Academy they look the same they same surname I'm, I'm pretty certain they both uh, propped at the same time for Sedgley as well one loose head and one tight head sorry I'm going to have to stop you both here if I dared go into so much detail about yeah you're right you're right <laughs> James Flynn <laughs> you're right, you're right. Jamie, nobody, nobody cares nobody he signed, cares he's signed yeah. for Saracens now everyone cares yeah Saracens have signed no, the back- please guys continue <laughs> the Saracens exactly have signed a backup prop brilliant what else yeah um, well, should we talk about Rosendale some more? Do you want some, some level seven, level five nonsense? Well, I tell you what, that's a great tease. Hang on, let's do the big, the the, the, the less important but more high-profile rugby stories, and then we'll get on to your beef with Byron McGuigan. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's just which, touch which, which was which was just opened. Uh, that's just reminded me that that's a little bit that, that pe- people on Patreon got last week. They got the. Byron McGuigan JB beef. beef absolute beef now big rib of <laughs> Byron JB beef on our Patreon so we'll get a little bit more of that what were you going to say Phil? I was going to say Woodward that is an interesting signing I think it's a great signing so if you'd have asked me two years ago or four years ago whether that's a great signing I would have said yes absolutely I I can't recall seeing him in the last two years. No injuries. And last time I remember seeing him player. was when he was in the crowd watching a game and he did that wanker sign <laughs> and got, got, got picked up by the camera. Oh, God. Oh, excuse us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think he is obviously... Well, this is why I like it, because I suspect it's a deal favourable to sale rather than to Mr Woodward. I think it's kind of a sign of things to come, which players have done really well in the past to drop them form will be signing these sorts of deals. But... If he is 80% of the player that he was when he was in his prime at Gloucester, I think they've done really well. Well, and, and before Gloucester, when he Bristol. was... And before Bristol. Hurricanes. My beloved Hurricanes, when he won. He won Super Rugby for my beloved Hurricanes. He was playing on the wing, and he pushed Julian Surveyor, Julian Surveyor, the Julian Surveyor, onto the bench. Wow. Yeah. A goal-kicking option as well for sale. Well, do you know... I'm without George sure. Ford. Yeah, I'm making this up now. I know I'm making this up. I think his first game for the Hurricanes, the Hurricanes lost by about sixty points. But I can't remember who it was against. Doesn't matter, JB. Too much detail. <laughs> yeah, too much detail. <laughs> I mean, he's now thirty-two, so that would that would be the first game would be in about two thousand and ten yeah, or eleven. Yeah, but I can't, I'm guessing it's Crusaders. Everyone loses. Everyone, like everyone gets hammered. Crusaders. Well, in that period of time. Uh, if it, say it was 2009-10 it would have been the period of time where the South African Super Rugby teams were pretty good Yes, shortly be. after the World Cup and the Lions hmm let's find out where, you, you guys talk about some more signings let, let me find out about J- Jason Woodward's first ever game for uh, Hurricanes <laughs> uh, well what other news is there so what, have Wasps made any statement on their uh, reported financial issues there was so where did I read it I read a little bit from it was Wasp CEO I seem to think made a statement but I can't remember where I read it but there's a very very interesting line in the statement which is one of those things you know when you know when um, a football manager is about to be sacked and the oh they got the, the vote of confidence the chairman yeah the dreaded vote of confidence or the chairman um, 
or the owner or whoever it is makes a statement along the lines of they are definitely not getting sacked we have full faith in them and you immediately know they're about to be sacked yes uh, oh here we go here we go Derek Richardson yeah has denied the club would enter administration yes after missing the latest deadline to pay the repayments owed on a 35 million pound retail bond that's bad quote we are not in administration and we are not going to be that so the Irish businessman told the Times. My immediate reaction to that was the uh, vote of confidence style football manager. He's not going to get sacked. He's oh, he's not been sacked. He is not going to get sacked. We have every faith in our manager. And is then a, two weeks later, yeah. they get sacked. Oh, that's exactly what a bloke looking to refinance a thirty-five million pound bond would say. It, it is. It's exactly that. Yeah. It's it's slightly worrying though. Although although I, I th- there's two sides to this to the financial issues. On the one hand, uh, rising interest rates are bad. Uh, yes. When you owe money, but on the other thing, the in- inflation's so bad it, that'll be that 35 million pounds will be nothing. It'll be be nothing pe- in a pennies. couple of years. At pennies. Pennies. That'll be a season ticket cost. <laughs> About your coffee in the ground. <laughs> yeah. uh, but apparently, uh, agents of Wasps players have been getting some calls from Premiership clubs because they're they're picking up on this story and but thinking there might be a bargain to be had. There might be bargain to be had, but how do you get Joe Launchbury into a club? I, mean, I don't think you can do it. You can't use your. Uh, marquee player rule you can't do anything well there's only a couple of clubs who would have the headroom to sign him Worcester that's Worcester it. maybe Newcastle probably Worcester don't you Newcastle will yeah I don't see this being a, well I think or for Launchbury France yeah France Japan uh, well, that, well, that's well, another story uh, Manu to Japan after the World Cup no surprise I, there. I'm delighted with that he, it, it can't come soon enough yeah he, he needs to earn as much money as he possibly can yeah um, no reflection on him at all uh, we went past his house do you remember when we did uh, get past his house when, yeah. when our, we got dropped off after the um, what's it called the, the thingy sevens North Dorset sevens got dropped off in wherever that is the old Liege round there round there and yeah, it was over the edge, and no, it was somewhere nearby. And yeah, we got dropped off there, and um, got there's Manu's house. Yeah, very nice, nice. Very, 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 nice. Nice. very nice. I imagine it is. Someone's on the higher end of the salary cap. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh yeah, because of course he's within the salary cap because he can't be yeah. excluded yet. So uh, I'm actually delighted that he's going. I think too many teams have really struggled with with Manu for all the reasons that we've said in previous podcasts, and now everyone can move on and. Focus on rugby without him, which is uh, what you need to do. Very quick word on one story that we missed because it, it happened after the last podcast had been published. Um, this thing always happens. There's always something good on a Monday that I'll be like, oh, I would like to have done that on the pod. Uh, Eddie Jones and his uh, his issue about public school rugby and comprehensive school. So br- briefly, do you remember what, exa- what he said exactly? Yeah, he said that it doesn't breed fortitude uh, or, res- or resilience. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's a stupid thing to say. It is a stupid thing to say because you only need to look at the list of achievements from people that came from private schools. It doesn't always engender independence, is that what you said? Well, it's just nonsense, isn't it? Yeah. It's just absolute nonsense. Um, you only need to look at the list of what the old boys from private schools have done to realise you know, it does something. It certainly does something. Uh, it does have its problems, but to suggest you need to destroy it all... I mean, if we destroyed the private school system, there would be no real competitive rugby I think at school level outside of a very small handful of schools yeah in, in certain parts of the country yeah. well yeah parts of the country so yeah Bristol would probably be alright yeah the, south, the whole of the yeah. south west and maybe the home counties as well but but like we're in Manchester where you, you generally except for a few a Rainfall. few a few rarities you have to be at a fee-paying yeah. school to play rugby. I mean, St Ambrose have a reasonably yeah, good team yeah, on here, don't they? But yeah. I can't think of any other really good school team. No, it, around you? it just... It wasn't a thing when when I was a kid. The, you, um, the school that I went to had football, cricket, basketball. Yeah. That, that was it. There were no, no rugby teams. And we were not, not far from... Um, rugby league territory mm. Ban- bandit nothing, country nothing at all yeah so just on that I think it's worth reflecting on you know, how rugby is seen in state schools which is predominantly masculine dangerous risky you, why would you want to be the teacher that starts up the rugby team in I don't know within Shore High I don't even know if that's a school I made it up <laughs> but like why would you want to do that you just don't football's easier they understand it and 
rugby's a phenomenally complex game to understand and coach. Having, having been a teacher, I can tell you one thing that has changed as well. Is my memory of school was um, that there was a lot of extracurricular stuff that was done by teachers. Like, well, it was. It was all yeah. done by teachers. Uh, I, I remember thinking this when I started uh, as a teacher, and I remember thinking, oh, this is... Oh, I wonder where this is going to be in 10 or 15 years' time. Teachers do not want to do it unless they're paid to do it. Yeah. Which I can understand, I that. But, but that changes things, because there's only... State schools haven't got extra f- pockets of money to go, oh, can we, Wednesday afternoon and evening, will you... No, I haven't got any more money. No, you're not going to do it. Saturday morning, no. Well, yeah, I'm not going to do it then. Yeah, I, and there's really weird relationships between rugby clubs and schools, I think. So, uh, yeah, one of the legacies I can think of is I've had in a rugby club in North Wales for the longest time had got loads of lads playing from John Bright's because John Bright's used to have a teacher that loved rugby and they always had a rugby team I don't know if they still do but I think that that link had stood the club well for a long for a long long time so you need links between clubs and schools and teachers that play at one club and encourage the, the kids to go down and also you need teachers who are probably club players anyway because it is so difficult to teach I mean if you have a a single teacher that is capable of say coaching and not very many are and they're a front rower, well, they're going to coach a very different brand of rugby to, say, what the winger would teach or the fly half. And you need time as well. You can't coach a rugby team with half an hour on a Thursday. Mm. You just can't do it. Yeah. It wastes time. Absolute chaos. Yeah. Chaos, waste of time. You couldn't teach anyone the laws. You just couldn't do it. I, I think so, it was... I'm oh, sorry, go on, Phil. I, I was going to say, I was, I was talking to um, a friend of ours, someone that we've all played rugby with, um, who is a teacher in a private school in the northwest oh, it's a private school i think it is fee paying but you can also get in through the 11 plus oh yeah 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 um and he was talking about the benefits of it of rugby in um i think his half of the school is an all boys um school and he's saying there's two cl- really clear big benefits one it's an outlet for kids mm-hmm. because of the physical confrontation and number two he said there is almost never any issues of fights or scuffles or anything like that because rugby naturally sorts everyone into a hierarchy yeah. immediately so everyone knows where they sit in the hierarchy so there's no un- need is there? unless you get the two like absolute alphas have fallen out over something which they're not going to or unlikely because they're teammates <laughs> yeah then everyone knows where they are in the pecking order so it, it means there's no trouble at that's all very very true that's a really good point yeah i, I think it, it it kind of eddie jones's words got a little bit twisted i also think he could have he could have come at it more with a glass half full than a glass half empty, rather than saying what is doesn't happen. He could say what the private school system has done for English rugby is absolutely amazing. I would love, I would love to facilitate ways to get a few more Kyle Sinclairs and Ellis Genges through. Well, through. Like, yeah, and you know maybe he does have a point, and this is where I try and steal man in. It when I look at teams in the northwest from you know, rugby league towns. They do have a resilience. There, there's no there is a resilience and a hardness there which just isn't taught. Now that's not to say that the people who work incredibly hard to be good rugby players at private schools don't have a type of resilience, but it's just not that. And I remember many times now I've been playing, whether it be you know, someone like an Oldham or an Old Winnians, and I'm just astounded, or a, a witness even, um, just astounded by the you know the grit. So there is definitely another level to it. Yeah. I can't put my finger on what it is. I don't know how you coach it. So Freddie Jones just say, "Yeah, we need this. We need the different systems Distru- coaching yeah. thing. We can't really don't. Well, we don't know. I think it's I think it's probably cultural rather than anything else. Yeah, it, it's it's probably lots of different factors to it. Yeah, it's, fact, it's nowhere. It's definitely not as simple. But then with with everything Eddie says to the media, you don't know how much to take him seriously. Yeah. How much he's just winding people up. How much he's just having a bit of a rant. Yeah, it must be cultural because I can't imagine the state schools in Surrey are going to produce a. <laughs> Uh, a gritty team. <laughs> the, the flip side is, is uh, I, I think I, well, I've, I've, I was always growing up the better player than my brother, and my, my brother says it to me all the time. What he happened? Said, uh, you are, no, that, well, that's, that's what that's what Nick says to me a lot. He, uh, every now and again, he just what say, happened? Yeah, what happened? Pats you on the top of the head. <laughs> no, but when um, when like when his kids are sort of chatting to me and, and they're like, "Did you play rugby, Uncle Tim?" Yeah, yeah, I played rugby. Did, did you play? Um, did you sail? Did you no. play professionally? I went no, but Nick always says he should have done. But <laughs> I rem- but I remember getting um, offered uh, a scholarship and and t- uh, and turning it down. I think it was Pangbourne College, or it was uh, uh, was one of them in in Berkshire. But I was basically the only player in the Berkshire team not 
mm. at Wellington or Eton or Pangbourne or something. But so I didn't I didn't want to do it and I don't I don't regret anything. But what it did do was it totally demystified the whole private school thing and I never felt that because um, I, I was just playing with him and I was like, all right, they're just they're just regular blokes. And yeah, they well, they bleed and stuff and yeah. so that that um, I could have had that that issue that people have when they get older and you get into corporate world or you get all, all of that and you feel inadequate yes. in some way and that I, that just completely went because of rugby because I, mm. I just went and well uh, went to, to a saying which Phil's brother Rob Rob Logan MP mm-hmm. uh, told, told, told me once which I quite enjoy which is if you want to teach uh, if you want to teach poor kids aspiration, just show them how many uh, how many average posh kids that, that, that there are. I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's a really really good point. Yeah. Um, it goes, goes both ways though. So I would just say this: uh, I know of lads who I was playing with back in North Wales who did do the thing that you did and, and took up the scholarships to go to private school, and just because they had so much more time yeah. playing with coaches, and yeah. being coached, and being around better players. The improvement in them was unbelievable. Oh yeah, yeah. I that, you know, a couple of them started playing pro, and they were nowhere near, nowhere near the best players when I played with them. Yeah. It was definitely a slight. Two in terms years. of my rugby playing career, it was definitely a sliding doors moment, and I did all right. But I yeah. think, I think, you know, yeah, I, I could have been a lot better. But good coaching makes all difference. And the yeah. last thing I'd say on this, I think it's a political thing. I just, I just don't think that schools want the pushback from activists. So uh, I was talking to Dr. Darren White on the Rugby Dungeon podcast, and I think I agree with him, to be fair, but I can see why lots of people wouldn't. But he's like, if kids don't, don't want to play, they shouldn't be, you shouldn't force people to play rugby. Now, I don't really know where I stand on that. Uh, certainly as an adult, you don't force people to play. As a kid, I mean, kids need to... It's a, you shouldn't absolutely force a kid to play, but on the other hand, if you don't compel them at least a little bit, they might never realise they like it. Mm. I mean, every kid would just rather you know, not do things rather than do things. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly all for forcing them to do the training. And mm. maybe not even, like, maybe even drawing the line at the contact side of the training, but like I remember kids getting out of like wanting to get out of PE wanting to forget their PE kit or like feign injury so they could just not do PE and it's just a it's a terrible terrible attitude for your life (laughs) if you're getting out of that so I would always push people to do the training and do the fitness side of things but I wouldn't necessarily push kids to do games full contact yeah I I don't know what the answer to uh, to that is but I certainly you can certainly see if a kid says no and then gets hurt even if they would have said yes three weeks later, some nosy parent and activist type is going to be all, all over your school. So I, you know, I don't think state schools need that pressure. I think that's probably one of the reasons. <laughs> I've just remembered something. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, we need more. It just reminded me of Scott Quinnell. I unleash the dragon! <laughs> hold on, hold on. I want to hear about the dragon. I'm so fucking proud of you, lads. What you've been through. We've had highs, we've had lows. Can you uh, hit, hit marker so we can do it? No, I want to do it all. <laughs> If you don't feel those butterflies in your stomach now, it's like you doing this at the Paul podcast this time. And that was when he did that speech before sending his team out to play you, JB. Uh, it might have been actually. Might have been. I, I, I threw a try scoring pass to Will Greenwood. Interception. But uh, it is what it is. Uh, do you know? I'm quite jaded to team talks now. I've heard so many of them. That was quite good. Yeah. Quite, I mean, the bacon bit at the end. You know, I could be. You know, I could be a bit different. But I, I quite like that one. I think what you should do for Talk H is have have some like uh, sentimental music. 
that can build behind you as you as you deliver your team talk. Yeah, that'll help. Yeah, we sometimes play I and Aldi in our change room. Play what? Um, I and Aldi. I and Aldi. Um, classical. Yeah, the pianist. Yeah. Aldi. Nice. I and Aldi. Yeah. Yeah, you'll, you'll know it when you hear it. It's good. Um, what was I going to say then? Let me say one last thing. Oh, I, I was going to say, did either of you read the Cipriani article in the mail about no. this? No. I think I think it's worth reading. Um, he, he went to, what's that one in Croydon? Um, he went to, yeah, he said he went Whitgift, to a couple, Whitgift. yeah. Um, he does reference he went to a few private schools, but because of his rugby talents, he got picked up by private schools. He wouldn't have gone otherwise. Um, but he, he talks about, Eddie Jones, and he, he does actually, he makes some astute comments about the weaknesses in England, which he puts squarely at Eddie Jones's doorstep, particularly around, he makes a statement that I was like, yeah, that definitely rings true, where he says, England want to beat teams up, basically, I'm paraphrasing, but mm. England want to beat teams up. When they fail to do that, their attacking shape is not good enough to be able to beat them in another way, yeah. and that's, that's an Eddie Jones you know, issue. Uh, some of the things Cipriani says are really, really astute. I think yeah. he's a really smart guy when it comes to how to play the game of rugby. But I also think he... I don't know. He's a very complex individual. He also has chocolate Nesquik. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a, a problem. That's a problem. He, yeah, I don't, I can't he's really... incredibly complex because yeah. he, there's so much to like be uncertain about and not like. But you just read this and you see the way he plays the game when he's at his best yeah. and he thinks he can visualise it and think about it in a different his way his rugby brain's amazing yeah, yeah, and yeah it, but it's not just like uh, what he's I'm got to something say. to offer he's definitely got something to offer yeah, what I'm trying mm. to say it's not just like uh, this is in fair on Carlos Spencer I don't actually know but you know, my perception of Carlos Spencer is just a genius with the ball in hand it's more than he's got all the skills ball in hand but he seems to actually know about the complexities of the game mm-hmm. and that's what has always impressed me about him when he talks about how to play rugby Everything else I can take with a pinch of salt, but how to play rugby? He knows. He knows his apples. He does. Yes. Yeah. So it, it's worth reading. It's not a long article, but it's worth reading because I do think he makes some astute points about it. Mm. Uh, well, with that, should we get on to? Oh no, go on then. Byron JB beef, oh, and then, then we'll yes. get on to some rugby championship. Yeah. So. Um, oh, and then I'll ask you that separately. Actually, off the pod, Phil. Uh, I was going to get some scouting information against uh, about some <laughs> Rosendale players that you must have played against. So we have Rosendale in the cup, and we had to fight tooth and nail. So I think, well, we think actually in Tokyo that this might be the first time since the sixties or seventies that Tokyo have been the Lancashire Club, the, the Lancashire Cup, the full Lancashire the Cup, full Lancashire Cup. Yeah. So Is we it just a straight knockout. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, how long will it last in the Lancashire Cup? I don't know. So we've drawn, we're level seven, we've drawn draw, drawn level five. Rosendale, Rosendale, Rosendale gave us a date. Um, Who, who's, who's head coach is Byron McGuigan? Who's head coach is Byron McGuigan. We, um, friend, of the, friend of the pod, standing for Phil, occasional host uh, <laughs> and, and guest. Yeah, so we've been sending a few texts back and forth to, back and forth to each other. Um, I'm trying not to give away too many of my cards, but ultimately... I think if the RFU want to run a, a cup competition, which is going to start in autumn, sorry, in August, and is going to involve both clubs that pay money, who are basically semi-pro. Would you call Rosendale semi-pro? They they definitely pay a good number of their first team players. Would you class Sedge as semi semi-pro? Yeah, yeah. So they're semi-pro, right? Yeah, yeah. Rosendale semi-pro. Some players will get more than others, but there'll be money, there's money floating around. They're semi-pro, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. If you're going to play, get amateurs playing semi-pros, which is absolutely fine, this is exactly what we trained for, this is exactly what mm. we wanted, I think there needs to be flexibility in the, in the scheduling because you can't just say to an amateur team, look, you've got three weeks to raise a team in the middle of August when you didn't think you had a game and everyone's on holiday mm-hmm. or whatnot. So we decided to do two days earlier on the 25th, offer Rosendale that. And no, you can do it, on, do, do, do it on a weekend because they wanted to train at Sedgley Park rather than play a bloody game of rugby. <laughs> so anyway, they, everyone's come to their senses and the good people at Rosendale said, yes, come, come, come down and we'll face you with our full-strength team. So I'm very much like the dog that caught, caught the car now. Uh, we've got to deal with Rosendale, which is going to be... So when is that then? Interesting. What, what week, on, week on Thursday? Week on Thursday. Week on Thursday, ooh. It's going to be brutal. I might try and get down for that. Yeah. I'd like be, to see it. Uh, yeah, it's it's at, at Rosendale. It's at Mall Pit, yeah, which is Rosendale's ground. I've never been there. Never played there. I, d- I try to think. I'm not sure I've ever played there. I don't well, think, I don't think they there. were good when you were playing. No. I think they were slowly going up the leagues. No. Uh, yeah, I think I played against their, their first team for Sedgley Seconds once, but at, um, at Park Lane. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've never played there. Yeah, so, it's so they, they were paying they were paying money from about God 2006 or 2008, yeah, and then they started paying. Yeah, they took a couple of guys from Manchester when I was playing there. Yeah, it's good setup, good setup, good coaching, uh, mm. and you know they were very accommodating with us, so we are happy about that. And uh, the the. The chat's been going back and forth between you and Byron still. Uh, Has that I, died down a bit? Uh, it's in fact, back and forth, back and forth. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to try and say, no doubt I will show up and they'll try and try and play play like Cell Shocks. That, that's, that's what I think. <laughs> right. Well, that's obviously the big game in the rugby calendar, but we'll, we'll we'll have some much less important and less noteworthy rugby championship chat after a word from our some of the people that help make this podcast possible. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool. Yeah. What do you think of those? Awesome. Uh, I, I bought six of them yesterday. Magnificent. Yeah, excellent. Rugby championship then. Uh, so it oh was my God. Re- repeat of last, last weekend's games, but in the same country again. What, what's going on with the format of the competition? Well, I Anyone know this? I think they've nailed it. I really like it. So I thought, is this COVID? What's going on? It's to make it feel like a miniature tour. So oh. they will reverse these fixtures, or I don't know, maybe we can circular because, of course, there's two games in South Africa against New Zealand. Uh, and then there'll be two games in Argentina. South Africa will go to Argentina once, and Argentina will go to South Africa once. Um, and I think All Blacks do that with Australia. So it's kind of a bit like the Six Nations in a sense, in that you won't. There'll be some years where one country you don't play at home. Yes, and then one country you play two at home. Yes, so you and then one you do one away, one home. Yes, yeah, so the All Blacks will not be seeing the All Blacks will not be seeing South Africa. In New Zealand, but they'll yes. get two. But they'll get two games at home against Argentina. Or yes, correct. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then the the Australia New Zealand will play because that's only a four hour time difference. They'll play yeah. once home and away. Yeah. And then, although it's more than a four hour time difference, uh, South Africa and Argentina will play once home and away. So yeah. ne- so next year, South Africa will play two tests in uh, Australia. At, oh, sorry, two tests in New Zealand and. and uh, they will Argentina will go to Australia. Yes, and um, South, Africa. South Africa will host Australia for two tests as well. Okay, right, cool. So it's, a, it's an element of the Six Nations with it that yeah. it will change year to year. And the reason I liked it so much, I, like that. I was watching South Africa this week, and a point I've made multiple times, and I'll make it again, is just how good rugby is in South Africa when South Africa are a good team. How many times have we, during the course of this podcast, the last 10 years, Talked about South Africa playing in front of an empty stadium, or people not caring, or the game or, being, or them just being rubbish. Yeah. Them just not being as good as South Africa. We know they can be because of the depth of talent that they have spread, spread compound- across the world. It's a compounding effect, isn't it? You get the good team, and then all of a sudden, this good team is backed up by ferocious crowds. So Ellis Park, it was this weekend. Last weekend was wherever it was. It was the N- football. Nell Spruit. Yeah. It was, which is the home of Fafta Clerk. Oh, yeah. there you go. Um, although he, he lasted, crowd. lasted about 85 <laughs> seconds. And didn't Caleb Clark shin do a job on someone else this Jess, weekend? Jess, it was Jesse Creel this week tackling just too damn low. Too low. Yeah, you need low. to tackle higher. That's the takeaway. <laughs> tackle always higher. Said this. Always said it. <laughs> but yeah, the Springboks just look like such a mighty proposition now. Particularly at home, because the crowd's bouncing, the team is massive, they've got their own identity and style. They're just an absolute powerhouse. Well, that just shows what an amazing coach Ian Foster is, then. Well, because he, yeah. he got a great win away in that cauldron of rugby. So I did know the score when I watched this game back. So I watched it and knew the score. I'm still comfortable in saying that 
maybe some of the worst rugby I've ever seen over the course of the first 10 minutes was played in this game oh, all I by New Zealand I loved I just loved the whole thing that first time there was some terrible stuff there was some brilliant stuff that if you take that um, David Havili cross kick to Ardi Surveyor yeah. who breaks the tackle of Jesse Creel and Andre Pollard he's so, so good. good at wide he's so he? good and then trips over him he, he should have scored yeah, or he should have yeah. popped to Je- Caleb Clark he had uh, he's just too good he South tried to do everything butchered some they should have scored a couple of tries. They just butchered. Oh, the, the whole thing was monumental. It was, it was like, magnificent. It was, like, it was great. There's a few passes to Caleb Clark, who I've, I've got some real reservation. Whether he's not up to speed with international rugby yet or something, I do not know. But he, does, he, he does some great stuff, but yeah. also like falling off that Am tackle. Who Lucano uh, Am, who just happens to also be one of the best wingers in the world as well as the best, he a great the best 13 in the world I thought how is he getting so I didn't realise he'd moved on to the wing I yeah. thought he was finding himself in these positions I was like how is he doing this because when Caleb uh, Caleb Clark collided with um, Jesse Creel Jesse Creel who's a centre plane on the wing Lucano Am moved out one yeah da- Damien Vilemzi seemed to move up to 10 Andre Pollard moved into 12 Diolande 13 and then Lucano Am on the wing and Willie LaRue came to full back well, I wanted to talk. That about was how this. I read it. Yeah, I, I knew something was going on because Damien Wil- Wilhelm's is it Wilhelmsy Wilhelmsy was getting so much more time on the ball than you'd yeah. expect for fullback to have. So obviously something's going on. But here's the thing I'd like to point out about South African backs. Now they're so well rounded. So do you know when we look at England and we talk about pairs of hands? And I always think about England like the more playmakers they have. Um, the less the playmakers do because they all want to they all want to pass the ball to each other. No one actually wants to run a line. Well, South Africa seems to have a group of players that can do well. They're just balanced. Like um, Vilelmser, is that is that what he says? Yeah, Damien Vilelmser. Vilelmser. Him, um, uh, Lacano Am. Uh, Lacano Am was far more balanced than I thought. I, a I, great I, player. He, um, he's such a talented defensive player. Yeah. You often don't see what he was doing in this game because he just doesn't need to. But his running game in this was amazing. He is. Just I, I genuinely did not know he had it had that good a running game in his locker. No, I didn't. I, I, I didn't know he had those that, that sort of that, you know, the, the sort of footwork and the steps and the angles which yeah. he, he undoubtedly does from the wing and and the pass for the disallowed uh, Mapimpi try was yeah. lovely as well. Willie Larue is another one. Who I've kind of had reservations, but you can't not say he's very balanced at what he does. He knows when very to talented. run. He knows when yeah. to pass. They they just have a, a you know, when one of your main strike runners is you fly off because everyone else is so balanced. You're in a, a fairly good position. And that's where mm-hmm. South Africa are. Mm-hmm. They've got Paul Odegaard nice and straight, and they've got <laughs> Thielande. But like even some of the guys, like I think Mpimpi is turning into one of the you know one of the great wingers now. Oh, he is. Yeah. He's older than you think as well. Yeah. He's early 30s now. And that's all about balance, because his finishing is ace. He's very strong. He's very fast. But he gets up in the air as well, contest kicks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in this game, the Cody Taylor try, which started on New oh. Zealand's own line, was one of the best tries I've seen in a long time. Yeah. And, and the Sam Kane one. Because yeah. that, that, started, that started with the Caleb Clark break out of his own 22 in oh, the am first. I thinking of that one well no because the Cody no, Taylor they, did as well yeah the Cody Taylor was the one with uh, second half Rico Yuani down the left wing that was it yeah yeah but both of those were magnificent tries incredible tries and yeah. that's what New Zealand did differently to the previous number of games and you can tell they must have been hurting and, and that will have meant a lot to them they were harder and tougher and grittier, and you called it last week, JB, that Shannon Frizzell needs to needs to come back in. Hundred percent. There was a couple of guys that really put themselves about. He was one of them, um, and I forget the name. Of the pro- a couple of the props, re- uh, one of the props, just really was throwing himself into everything. Anyway, so they were a lot tougher and grittier in defence and up in South Africa's face, and they just played a bit, and they also played a little bit looser when it was on. Well, they, they, I, yeah, sorry, go on, Jay. On the looseness, I think. Was maybe this is why they were so bad for the first ten minutes because they were awful. Uh, was they were forcing things, and I think they sort of caught up with themselves towards the end when they mm. actually, you know began to catch balls and work out what each other were trying to do. They're still very incomplete. I, I think in terms of raw talent, they've obviously got a hell of a lot. 
but Foster's not managed to stitch them together as well as previous coaches have and I think that's the difference really. well, the scrum the scrum was fine this yeah. week scrum was good scrum was set piece was good yeah. in general L- line out from both teams line out from both teams was a bit of a mixed bag it was yeah like um, the, 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 the Weber got taken off does, after half an hour yeah but so did all the front row didn't they uh, there was big changes like Kitsoff came on after 35 minutes was it yeah. which, yeah, which they did last last Kyle time Smith Mostart all came on but then between 45 and 39 I guess when you've got the the technical jumpers um, reading the game like like Whitelock and Barrett and Lude and Eben Etzebeth and Peter Steftatoy all on the pitch at the same time it's probably an absolute nightmare for the hooker oh, you, yeah. you've got these Te- technical jumpers who are all six, seven, and uh, two meter plus wingspan. Oh, no, no wonder you can't. Hit, you're struggling to hit your own ball. Yeah, sorry. So just so, uh, oh, so on the subs, uh, Michael Marks came on on thirty minutes. Kitsoff came on on thirty five. Yeah. Jasper Visa came on on thirty on thirty five. Yeah. So you know, that must so have been an injury. The Visa one. He came on for Vermaelen, didn't yeah. he? And well, Vermaelen just had a knee clear out. I think, as in. He had surgery on his knee a few weeks yeah. ago, so I'm not sure how much he's been playing and training. Well, they were 15 nil down at the time, I think. So they were, yeah. yes. Yeah, maybe they were just tactical. I thought about this: if you change your front row with 30 minutes to go, well, what's the difference between changing it 30 minutes in? Well, yeah, because if it depends who you've got, but um, certainly Malcolm Marks is one up the pecking order than uh, Dweber. Yeah. Um, uh, at least one up the pecking order, so you'd be expecting him to play fifty minutes, yeah, which yeah. is which is what he did. So it's not it's not an unusual whether he plays the first fifty or the second fifty. And as long as you come off uh, come off tactical, if there's an injury, you can go back on. Yes, if you're a front row. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I, I said to Tim before we came down here, when I see South Africa line, go into a line out, particularly their five man with Etzebeth, Lude, Steph de Toy, and uh, Vermaelen which are four of the lads that they take into their five-man, I think these guys should be unbeatable. I, I can't imagine a set of circumstances where these guys could be beaten by 30 men, let alone 15. <laughs> but then um, Whitelock was making it an absolute nightmare for them. Yeah. he was getting. There was one, I think it was the first lineup that was clearly not straight up from Dweber onto the South African side, and Whitelock still scoops it across. Whitelock is very smart in the line-out, though. Very, very, very smart. Very, smart player. I mean, what, 100-plus tests? Yeah, he is missing... He's missing Ritalak, though. I have no doubts about that. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, he might be New Zealand's most important player, because without him, uh, Scott Barrett is not the answer yeah. to any question. Well, we, we should I, give him lots of credit, because they in South Africa, they, mm. they won... Well, I mean, yeah, it's South Africa left tries out on the field, but in the end, they won with a little bit of breathing space. Yeah, they did. It shows w- what a um, hell of a game. Yeah, what, what a difficult game rugby is to predict. Oh, what Luke Pearce had a difficult game to officiate as well, didn't he? I thought he did very well. I do. I, I, I have to say, I've seen, I've read a bit of uh, South African rugby Twitter and a bit in the press. They they do not like the Luke Pearce performance. I thought he had a great game. I, and I, I thought the tough call. Then there were some tough calls in there, um, like yellow card in Bowden Barrett, yellow card in Damien Valemsi after two minutes or whatever it was. That was one hundred percent the right thing to do. It was one hundred absolutely the right thing to do. The disallowed try was absolutely the right thing to do. The one which I didn't like was the blocking. So um, Scrumhoff blocks Wilhelmser when he's Wilhelmsy when he's running the ball back. No, or Lacano am running the ball back. Oh, that for the disallowed try. Yeah, I, don't I thought, think that was a block. I thought that was. I thought that was, was the right call. call. The first, the first um, angle from the side of the pitch, I couldn't see it. When they did the angle from behind the goalposts, the wide shot, he backed mm. into him. He, he he runs in, so he runs from like ten yards to get him. Whitelock pushes him out of the way and he moves, but then he steps in again. So he moved twice Whitelock into his way. He, he stops running and actually moves backwards into Whitelock. Yeah. yeah, I think Whitelock should, should have tried hard and someone else should have tackled him. I just think. Well, I, I, that was scrum, Scrum's fault for making it yeah, an issue. He, he twice moved into Whitelock's way. Because I think you're probably right. Willems or Lacanyuam probably would have uh, ghosted past Whitelock well, anyway. That's the thing. Yeah. If you do something illegal, whether you actually make a difference or not, you're that, liable yeah, to, to, to get caught. Yeah, I just didn't like. I didn't like that call. I think I'd have um, let the boys play. To coin a phrase, I'd, so I, I wanted to point out 
two moments that actually turn the game and I think that is one because I, I think one. I think Lucano would have been through because they got three points off the back of it as well so it's it a, ten, a ten, ten point swing ten point swing mm. the other one and that that I can forgive it's, it's cynical unless there's a try scored immediately you don't get spotted for that yeah So because mm. if it's three breakdowns before but unless you score from that that phase or the phase after that never gets spotted and mm-hmm. and the Springboks make 50 metres upfield so that's a it's fine margins but it was the right call the other one which is monumentally stupid which was um, gave the All Blacks three points at a crucial time instead of Springboks being 40 metres down the field was the um, Jasper Visa yeah. clear out on Aaron Smith you mustn't have heard the whistle I'm he's with. looking right at Luke Pace. Luke Pace, Luke Pace is, he's looking like me to you, Luke Pace. I've seen it. Luke but... Pace has got his arm in the air. Everyone stops. And another play, if it was another player, if it wasn't Jasper Visa, yeah. who is yeah. a dirty, cynical <laughs> cheat. And we love him for it. Yeah. So I, w- I would give them the benefit of the doubt. But Jasper Visa, it's just stupid. I, and I he gave, make, away, gave away three points. I can't make the maths out up in my head, right? The ref's in front of you. I don't think he's. I'm going I'm to have to say I don't think he's seen the ref. I all heard him. Or he's he's so. He's like me to you. It's, it's, it's lo- the only man anyone. on the pitch in bright white shirt with the his only- arm in the air, three meters away from you, in your direct I, I line of vision. Mate, I mean, because if he does what what you're implying, Phil, I think he should have been carded. Uh, um, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a dangerous hit. It's just a, a after the whistle hit. No, because. You're deliberately disobeying the ref after a direct order, effectively, to cease the game of rugby, and you've smashed into the scrum half. Penalty, penalty three points was punishment. Pen- yeah, penalty three points is just fine. Just, yeah, okay. It's, it was just... I, he mustn't have heard it. I can't imagine uh, a man would no, do it's that. He, Jasper it's Jasper Visa. Like, yeah, <laughs> and he thought <laughs> Aaron, else. He, he had a chance to smash Aaron Smith. Yeah, that's 100% it. it. That is... That's, is it, no more, is no more complicated than that. the the throne of... Um, Who's the other South African eight who never played at, played in South Africa? Who never played in South Africa? Irish. Um, CJ Stander. CJ Stander. He's, he's basically what CJ Stander should have been. <laughs> CJ Stander had played in South Africa. If CJ Stander was a little bit better. Uh, I reckon they're, I bet they're on par, you know. I reckon they're very similar. Uh, I, I think Jasper is just a little bit bigger and more aggressive. And they just look a little bit too much like hookers to be playing the break. <laughs> for my for South Africa, anyway. Well, South, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I want to see, see more lads like Vamal and, and the Dupree boys. And who's the one that you loved? Um, Evan, uh, Evan Ruse. Ruse. Evan oh, Ruse. yeah, I've not seen enough of Evan Ruse yet. The lads say... It's, it, South Africa are a bit like John, John, John West Fish at the moment. It's what they leave out which, uh, which demonstrates the policy. <laughs> um, so well done, New Zealand. Well done, Fozzy. Oh, sorry, just one last thing on this. Uh, I'd like to know where you stand. It's a little bit um, geeky. Do you think both teams lacked defensive control of the game? Yes. Um, and from South Africa particularly, more so than last week. And I would attribute that to their backline being shifted around. Yeah. So Lucano, I'm going onto the wing. Um, as we said before, Valende stepping up, Pollard moving out one, and Dialande moving out one. New Zealand did really well in the aerial game, much, much, much better than, than last week. And Richie Mwanga, who had a shaky start, actually his tactical kick in as well as just general play was a, was a, a significant improvement on last week. Yeah, he, did, uh, he did have a shaky start because that pass yeah. after whatever it was, six minutes of New Zealand relative dominance, although, mm-hmm. as you said before, JB, they, they made mistakes in it. That um, the intercept that he threw to Peter Stefter Toy, oh. that was a, shaky, a very shaky start. Although Geordie Barrett to make the tackle on Peter Stefter Toy and Rico Iwani to Re- make the tackle yeah. on Lucano Am five yards from the try line. Yeah. I, I mean, Rico Iwani he got um, man of the match. I think deservedly so. Mm. I thought he was. I thought he was brilliant. He's, 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 a, I don't think the All Blacks have got nearly. As much out of Rico Iwani from from the Complete, second view. Completely agree. I one hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. I think we saw a lot of his best stuff in this game, but we've not for a while with him wearing a thirty. He scored that really smart little try. Um, it wasn't. Oh, I, I liked it. It was the replacement centre. I'm sure it was. Oh, uh, dummy! He's, he, he flashes the dummy. Oh, oh it's Havili. The start, no, Havili. Start no, 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 it's, it's not Havili. No, it, it was, was Havili. It was not Havili. It was Havili. It was Havili. He, Wrong. You've he, he tried over the top, then realised, oh no, that pass has been cut off, and he managed to just with yeah. one hand Fijian style. 
It was, it was. Dummy the offload. Wait for it. David Hibley. Correct, JV. Yeah, it was nice. Um, and it was it was Villy LaRue who bought it hook, line and sinker as I well. I loved it because... Villy LaRue like, jumps in the air, starfished. In well, the air. I mean, that's how you make a, a double tackle into a single tackle, yeah. isn't well, it? Well, there was a jump into Argentina, Australia. There was a try that... Uh, Geronimo De La Fuente scored. Oh, what a name. Where he does his quad as he's running through and he he stops and holds his quad and actually it it acts accidentally like an unbelievable dummy and he just I've the, seen the, this before the defenders somewhere. keep moving and he just finishes finishes and scores. I feel like I've seen this but was it rugby league that that's happened? Yeah, the NRL someone did it in the NRL the other day. Pretending to pull a hamstring Yeah, or... and then finish off a try. Oh. I remember scoring a try away at York where I was playing in the set playing 12 and uh, taking the ball from, from a scrum on about the 22, two defenders in front of me and I dropped the ball, I genuinely dropped the ball but managed to catch it just before my toes and the two defenders just stood off me and <laughs> <laughs> just went, went through and under the posts. Yes. I could do that again. You, you know, could per- well, perfect how, the drop. Well, well, this is why... Things like bounce passes are so effective as attacking weapons. <laughs> nobody knows what, what, what's going to happen. Everyone just stops and you pick the ball up, and no one, everyone's out of position. Yeah, anything which throws people yeah. is usually quite good. It's like when professional footballers play five or side against amateurs and they can't get a read on what is going on. Well, it's, well, like, it's like playing Marcus poker. Smith's little yeah, poker. jump. Marcus Smith's jump. Yeah, <laughs> the number little... of people, even though they know, right? We got we got to watch out for when Marcus Smith does that jump. Just he's going to do something. He's going to do yeah. something. Just but even though people know it's coming, he's still. Yeah, um, bamboozles people. That Della Fenty try was phenomenal. It was awesome. Mm. Uh, and then uh, didn't the Aust- I can't remember who's the Australian centre in, in, in this game. I can't say his name. Uh, Icky Tao. Icky Tao. He scored something which I thought was well. He was involved in something which I thought was equally as impressive when he cuts cut, cuts through the middle. Uh, I can't remember, was that one disallowed? The rugby was great. Argentina. What what a result! Hell of a result for, for them. Last to so last week they were what. 14 points up with 20 minutes mm. to go something like that and imploded exploded fell apart mm. pick your analogy they weren't good for those last 20 minutes and they they kind of got themselves into a similar position this time and then just put Australia to the sword in those last 20 minutes yeah, volatile. you don't know what you're going to get with them I mean you can literally get them losing to Scotland or beating the All Blacks away it doesn't really <laughs> matter to them it's, I guess it's sort of is how they feel I'd love, I'd love to time. have heard some um, monotone Argentinian radio commentators <laughs> speaking English on this one as their second language, uh, but we we got treated to the Australian commentary yeah. this time, and I, I I just want to shout I don't know who it is I don't think it's Sean Maloney whoever the lead commentator is for Stan Sport is it not Sean Maloney it might be Sean Maloney but he's got I, I don't know he's the first pundit rather than the lead comms I think he does the lead comms he does the Nick Mullins type role he's got the most Australian voice I ever love it. I, I love it as well and I love how he's, he's he occasionally when he's saying certain people's names when they're doing something good he goes into slow motion so he'll be he'll be talking about Australia going through then it's like you know, Geronimo de la Fuente <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bobby is... Valentina oh yeah Bobby V Bobby V <laughs> Bobby V some player <laughs> Oh, Hunter Paisami! <laughs> I love it. I do love when he's... He, uh, he flipped from uh, Robert Valentini to when he was Bobby on the, v. Bobby v on the rampage. <laughs> does, does, has Bobby V signed off on this? Set? <laughs> I don't know. Australia going there. It's Taniela Tupo! <laughs> <laughs> like someone hits half speed on him. <laughs> by the way, I did get contacted by someone... Um, um, Oh, I can't remember who it is. They they messaged me on on Twitter just to say, I'm glad I'm not the only psychopath who listens to podcasts at 1.5 speed. I oh. I find it. I was thinking about this um, last week actually. After you revealed that you do that, Tim, I get so much more. I mean, I, psychopaths. I, I find it really interesting because you are obviously a professional broadcaster, mm. and as a professional broadcaster, you know the importance of tempo and spacing and pause and leaving the gap to leave the listener wondering sometimes it's what you don't say and then yeah so i just find it astonishing that you can like 
uh, maybe it's because you you see all of that. You, you're like um, the guy plugged into the Matrix, seeing the blonde and the brunette. Yeah, because you can see it. My brain just works at one point yeah. five speed. You, because you know it all, you don't need those. Pa- you can fill in those pauses anyway. Whereas I, 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 I actually lose context if I listen oh, to it um, faster. Yeah, yeah interesting. Yeah, and most of the time I listen to podcasts is because I want to waste time not because I want to, to go quicker <laughs> I want to get more done yeah uh, but no but it's interesting you say that Phil because I have made sure I have a break between when I stop listening to a podcast and when I start doing yeah. my radio show because if I listen to fast stuff all the way when I'm on the train <laughs> from Manchester to London I might start it's Radio Radio here's Bon Jovi <laughs> <laughs> We've had to pay twice as many royalties to songs <laughs> you're talking too fast. Uh, I, I do. If I listen to a good podcast, I like to. I can't go straight onto another um, interesting content podcast because my brain gets confused between the two of them. I need to put like a music break or a silence break in. No, I don't do that. I just go. I just plow on. It's all one big pos- podcast soup I, I would, in your brain. I, I'm just going to demonstrate something that was also quite fun. Um, I will just say, and I think I've mentioned this before, but if if you oh, oh that's up, that's podcast inception. That's me me talking on a podcast. While if you go down to zero point five speed, oh god, you can imagine you you know what it it's like for us to what we sound like when we're drunk after seventeen Negronis, <laughs> for example. To kick off the season with you all. Oh no! Oh no. <sighs> god. He's gonna kiss the All Blacks. <laughs> that sounds horrendous. Who would listen to this? <laughs> what game plan the All Blacks would come with? Third spring box. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard this. Oh, oh dear. I went to a gig. You, did, you went to a gig? You did Finally. go to a gig. Did it? Did it? You're such a muso. Such a muso. Yeah, went to watch uh, Pete Tong with his orchestra. <laughs> Oh, I love it. So that Pete Tong and his orchestra is the first gig you've been to since R. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I walked in as well. No one checked my ticket. Uh, no, I, sorry, I didn't even buy a ticket. I just walked in. Did you, <laughs> you just walk? Did, did you just happen to be passing or did you plan, I'm no, going to try and get in? I, I went to call to Coleman Bay to have a beer. And they, uh, the, the lad was with says, oh, I'm off to uh, Pete Tong. I was like, that's just not my thing. Well, I'll just see if you can get in. Well, may as well. I quite want some more beers. Just walked in, and that, and that was it. Save myself 50 quid. <laughs> Easy. Nice. Amazing. Yeah, no one even, no one even there to check the ticket. Was it a good night? It's quality. I would highly recommend it. I thought it was brilliant. Hmm. So. My, my kind of scene. I would have yeah. quite enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's no James Haskell, but he was, but he was good. <laughs> he was good. Uh, I've got a new uh, hero. Uh, rug- I've got a new rugby hero. Thomas Gallo, who oh, said Gallo. for Argentina, who? he's awesome. He's about he looks about five foot two, tall <laughs> and wide. He's a cuboid rugby player. Yeah, do you, know, do you know what his height and weight is listed at? I, I would suggest I he's five nine and one hundred and eighteen kg. Eighteen. He's listed at five nine and a half, uh, one seven six, and uh, one oh seven kilos. But that's his Wikipedia, so take it with a pinch of salt. He's a, he's a big, strong boy. Do you know who he plays for? No. JB, you might know. Uh, I do not RGC? Know. Not RGC. <laughs> no. Your beloved Benetton. Oh, does he really? Yeah. Oh, nice. Did not know that. Not for much longer. No. He's going to... He'll, he'll, he's going to end up at Racing or somewhere like that. Where did... Um, I know he's a tight head, but... Uh, Slomani, he played Stad. Uh, did he play Claremont as well? Sure he, he did play Claremont, yeah, yeah, definitely. Slomani, or was it? Was it? He played for one of the prison. So he's a loose head, right? Yeah. So the guy you're thinking of, who was at Claremont, who's similar stature, is Slomani. Oh, Dominici, not he, Dominici, Domingo, Domingo, Thomas, yeah. Thomas, Thomas, Thomas Domingo. Domingo. That's it. He was a loose head, yeah, because Rabat, Rabat Slomani, whatever he's called, Rabat, Rabat, Rabat. Yeah, he plays across the front row. Uh, tight head yeah he can play tight head and loose head plays for Claremont and previously played for Stade Francais where he had 187 appearances so mm. predominantly Stade Francais you were right mm. uh, but t- Thomas Gallo how old is he? Uh, 23 yeah he's he's going to be a hell of a player yeah, yeah. Doing what, it sounds like he's already doing alright yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. four, four tries already in his six games or whatever that he's played 
for Argentina. Yeah. So two, two against Australia. Just a few more results which you might be interested in. Yeah. Flandino played um, Sedgley Park. Sedgley, yeah. I think 30-something, 20-something. So that's a much closer result than I'd yeah. anticipated. You never know with I I've not <clears throat> not seen anything other than the little clip that you shared with me. You never know how much of a if it's a sixty man squad you could play thirds yeah. or quarters or so you, No, that little clip uh, certainly suggested something was going on. <laughs> it was a mismatch on that clip yeah. that um, you shared with me. And the other one was really interested, Dan Bibby's debut, I assume, for For Coldy. Going down hard to RGC. But again, really? sort yeah, RGC C beat them, which I, I found very interesting. I didn't think RGC were that good at it. Yeah. There again, again, you don't know what squads were put out. Yes, yeah, and what squads were put out for what period of time. Mm. Yes, quite. Mm. So all very inter- all very interesting stuff. So everyone's beating everyone in the rugby championship. Yes. Quite enjoying it. Yep. What are next week's fixtures? Uh, I'm just going to get the table, actually. So Argentina are top. Argentina are top on points difference because everyone's 1-1. Yeah, so... Wow, it goes... Almost reverse order um, that you would think. So Argentina top, Australia in second, because they both have five-point wins in the bag. Uh, Although you would argue that they have played the easiest teams in each other. Mm -hmm. And then New Zealand in third place uh, with... uh, Is that right? This can't be right. Because it's got New Zealand in third place, but with a... Minus four points difference. New Zealand won by more points than they lost by. La- no, no. no. New Zealand, are mi- New Zealand yeah. have got minus four points yeah. difference in South Africa. So I'm, I am. Um, Wait, you're on the, I'm you're on, on the, the BBC, BBC website, which is so. obviously yeah. my f- mistake. So let's go to Rugby Championship. The official. It should be anyway. South Africa in third. And next next week's games are. Is it next week? It will be next week. I think. Don't think Just while you're week. working that out, how, how are you enjoying Manchester United this season? Oh, fantastic. I almost wore my um, United, my favourite blue United shirt. Oh, there's a rest week. That's annoying. Yeah, oh, they've got to fly everywhere. Yeah, they? that is a shame. Um, so it is Australia host South Africa, New Zealand host Argentina in two weeks' time on the 27th. By yeah. which time we'll know the result of the big grudge match. Yes. Ross and Dale, Tock H. A couple of days after. Yeah, sure. um, hmm. Manchester United. Mm. Now, it's, I am a United fan. Um, I do have a United shirt. I've got a, a, a few old ones as well. Um, I've been a lifelong fan, although, as someone once described, if you cut my arm off, it wouldn't bleed red. <laughs> because I'm not, I'm not a diehard United fan. I care far more. I care about watching almost any rugby game than watching United. But I like following the results. And... I was like cautiously optimistic this, that this season might be the turnaround. I know nothing about Ten Hag, nope. but people people wanted him. Therefore, you trust that people aren't all idiots. And some people, some of those people who wanted him might know a thing or two. You've got out Pogba, who I thought we never should have re-signed because even though he's an incredibly talented player, he's not always motivated to do anything other than what serves poor Pogba best. You got rid of him, so maybe you've cleared the atmosphere in the changing room. And evidently, I was totally, totally wrong because they are just a total disaster. Football is interesting, interesting me at the moment for two reasons. One is Barcelona, and the direct Mm. comparisons we can draw between Barcelona and Premier Premiership Rugby. Yeah, which is the financial levers are almost identical to the financial levers that Premiership Rugby pulled, and uh, it's not going to end well for either organisation. The Barca, the Barca thing is going to be fascinating to watch that unfold. Yeah, I uh, just don't know where it's going to go. Yeah, so uh, you know, look exactly. You know, if people want to explain the Barcelona deal, just look at what the Premiership Rugby did when they sold their central commercial revenue, and you've basically got what Barcelona are doing for their La Liga re- revenue. Exactly the same stuff. They've also sold a bit of Barcelona Studios as well, and there's lots of other bits and pieces you can dive into. But very interesting stuff. United, the other one which I love at the moment because. I think United are more exciting when they're bad. I think rugby's better when South Africa are, South Africa are good. I think football's more exciting when, when United are bad. But the lesson rugby can learn from United, do not listen to, you, to the fans. They are morons. Agreed. They're, so, they're having a walkout next week, apparently. Because they're idiots. I mean, literally, the identity of the United fans now is more about being bad. If they were good, they would hate it, because they'd have nothing to do. Like, they, <laughs> nothing they, to moan about. Nothing to moan about. So... Um, if you think about what United fans have demanded, they've basically got everything they've ever demanded. They've got the managers that they demanded, they've got most of the signings that they demanded, uh, and they whinge about £100 million being taken out of the club, which sounds like a lot of money, but it's the cost of one player. 
cost one player over ten years, and these guys have been through. I mean, they, you can't you can accuse the owners. I like people who accuse Premiership owners of many many things. One of the things you can't accuse them of is not spending money. So uh, I think if I fans largely should shut up and let experts be experts <laughs> when it comes to signing players. Although I'm not a massive fan of experts, so yeah, you hate experts. Yeah, what, so, what, so what no one's allowed. No one's allowed to talk about anything. Only I'm allowed to talk about things because <laughs> <laughs> you are both a fan and an expert. Yeah, exactly. But one of the good experts, not the bad ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An expert who agrees with me. Yeah. <laughs> Let that be the big takeaway from the pod. Any more for any more? No. Nope. All good. Let's do some preview pods for some of the teams that were coming up. Yeah, and thank you for your emails on those. Keep uh, emails on any rugby-related subject coming in. Contact headchasers at gmail.com. Find more content at patreon.com forward slash headchasers and let the boys play. Let the boys play. Uh. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 